Are you ready to reach the mountaintop of your life? Do you want to turn your dreams into your reality? If that sounds like you, then welcome to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. Today, I am with Alex P. Plasky. Alex P. Plasky is a quadriplegic motivational speaker. He's going to talk about his story. But the reason why I brought him on, I just want to frame this at the beginning, is that Alex is someone that has every right to not be positive to have every right to look at the problems in the world. And yet he is the most positive person that I know. And so Alex, I'm so excited that you are here. I'm excited to share your story. How are you doing today, Alex? Jake doing amazing. I've listened to some other podcasts that you have done. And I think you and your team is such a beautiful group of people. And I'm so excited that I get to be one that gets to participate in that group and share my story. So thank you so much for having me on, Jake. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Yeah, I'm excited about it as well. Alex, uh, to, to start off, my question I want to start with is a question I've asked you many times. Mm. And that is, how do you stay so positive? Mm. It's a question that I get a fair amount. And there's been many different things that has happened throughout my journey. And I believe that all stems to making a choice. And we all have different circumstances that we find ourselves in. And depending on how you react, either proactively or reactively, I have found really will determine on how happy you are, regardless of what happens in life. And right after my accident, I saw that I had two options. I could either be physically limited or physically and mentally limited. But it was my choice on how I was going to view the situation. If I was going to lay victim to what had happened, or if I was going to do things regardless of what happened. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important too that we share with the audience, what is it that happened? How did you end up, uh, how do you end up a quadriplegic? Tell that story so that we can know where you're coming from. Absolutely. Is it all right if I share a little bit before then? Of course. Right off the bat, Things were a little rocky. I was born into homelessness. My biological family, I stayed with them for around seven years. And then eventually we were taken away from the foster care system, social services. And that was rough. It was very rough. Eventually our biological dad was able to win us back to only die of cancer one year later. I went through a few other foster homes. And then in my 
ninth grade year, I was 16 years old. I ended up having a horse accident. That family that I had that accident with, I actually feel like things were slowly getting back on track. There was all of these different traumatic events. And then I finally was with a foster family that I enjoyed. And only a year of being with them, I had this traumatic accident. And just to give you a little idea of what that looked like, we used to train horses as a job. We would train them to either ride just on top or sometimes we would train others to carry a wagon. And it was during that second week of training where I was finally able to get on top of the horse. There's a slow and gradual progression of the different steps that you need to take to train a horse. And I got to the point where I got on top and the horse got spooked. It started bucking back and forth and no matter what I could what I could do, I could not control the horse anymore. I'm not sure if I had lost the reins or if it had torn or what had happened, but I no longer control over its head. And where the head goes, the body follows. And my left foot it had got stuck in the stirrup. So as it was bucking back and forth, I just couldn't escape. And as the horse was lashing out, I had fallen off the one side and then I had been dragged and my neck had hit the sand and instantly it shattered. Fortunately, I was in a round pen, so it didn't take long for my foster brother to stop the horse. But as I was laying there, I was in so much pain that I couldn't even realize I had no movement below my neck. Mm. I was yelling for a pillow, thinking that a pillow would make a difference and it wouldn't. And fortunately, they didn't move me much because if they would have, it would have damaged the spinal cord even more. And then they brought over an ambulance, but they had noticed that I had suffered a little bit too much damage for that. I needed something a little bit quicker. So they brought a helicopter and I was airlifted to St. Cloud where I did my surgery. What was the surgery that they did at that point? They let the swelling go down in my neck for about a week. And then my, my break was in C4-5 cervical, the fourth and fifth vertebrae. So the surgery that they did was to repair, not necessarily the spinal cord, but the bones around the area and put different rods and screws to stabilize the neck. And so you said that the 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 injury would have been worse had they moved you. Would that be, mm-hmm. I mean, so as a quadriplegic, but you still have, you know, some ability to move, you know, you're able to move your arms if I'm, uh, you, you don't have much movement in your hands, but you do have movement in your arms. Do you have any movement in your hands? I, I'm actually not sure. So there is a spot right where the wrist is on the left side. 
can't remember what the name is. It's like a Bronco Corda something. And that is a tendon in my wrist that okay. I can move. But I I have, other than that, with my left hand, no wrist at all. No finger dexterity in either hand either. But what's amazing is that without that, you're able to use a computer. You're able to type. Mm. You're, I mean, you're able to do incredible things. Mm. is something that I I talk about often. And I want to talk about your positivity. (laughs) You told that story and you started off with, even before the accident, things were a little bit rocky Mm. and you shared a story. You just said, things were a little bit rocky. And then you shared a story that would have been a story that would have made you a motivational speaker with a crazy story, even before you had the accident. And that's what I think is so amazing. And then you just take away all the excuses that people have. And that's one of the things that I'm so inspired by is I hear people saying, well, I can't do that because I, you know, I I can't write a book. I'm, it's very slow for me to type, or I can't do this online because of my speed online, or I'm not very good at this. Or, you know, I hear a lot of uh, people of a older generation say, well, I didn't grow up with this, so I can't do this computer Mm. stuff. And you don't even have the use of your hands. And yet, well, I get text messages from you all the time. And I know that you've built out your website. You create the, I mean, so how is it that you have been able to just, what I see is that you find a way Mm. you just go, whatever it is, there's something you want to do. You find a way. Mm. And where did that come from? I think because of all of the different traumatic events that occurred, it forced me to find a way. And one thing I always like sharing with people that that need that little bit of a shift is for every problem there is, there is a solution. You just have to find it. And some and what I found is a lot of people, they actually do have an idea of what they need to do. They just don't take the action on it. And the, the, the more people that I meet, the more I come to that realization where they do have some idea, that, but they want to see the whole staircase before they take one step. Right. And you don't need to. You don't need to know that the fifth step is there to take the first one but most people don't. Yeah. So do you think some of those traumatic experiences as a kid growing up built the strength is like a muscle that was built? Is that, is that what you think it it is where this came from for you? I think that helped me out because Mm -hmm. also I know when, when my biological dad had passed from cancer, we had, Finally been in a stable home again for a year. And mm-hmm. now I was like, okay, I got to make sure that my siblings, not just myself, but I got to make sure that me and my siblings are going to be in a good place. And it nearly like forced me to grow up a little bit and go from a mindset of impossibility to I have to find a solution to make sure that that we're in a safe space, 
that we have what we need, um, you know, even just on a basic needs level. And you were how old at this time? Boy, that was like 10. That's amazing. That's amazing. And were you the oldest? Third oldest. So I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to say, well, I just did it because I'm amazing. I know that's not, that's not something you'd be comfortable (laughs) saying, but why do you think it was that you, you were able to step, step it up? The reason why I asked if you're the oldest is there would feel like there's a sense of responsibility, but Mm. I, I, I do mean this. I do think that there's something very special about who you are as a human um, because there's something just innate. I mean, a, a part of me wants to say that you probably did a lot of work. You probably focused on, you know, training your mind to get into the place that you're at today um, to not be bitter or upset or any of those kinds of things. But it really sounds like you have led an incredible life of positivity and finding a way even from a very young age. Do you have, have any idea where that came from? Right after my dad died of cancer, we were all, uh, other than my sister, Rachel, but she was on her way to the hospital. And I remember him laying there. And, and this, I had beat myself up for a few years, but I remember him laying there And seeing eventually my sister did come and seeing all my siblings cry. And I could not cry. And I remember beating myself up thinking, wow, I couldn't even cry at my dad's deathbed. But for me, I just just knew that this had happened. Okay, he just died. And yeah, there will be a time and a place to cry about it. But I have to... Crying isn't going to change anything. Being sad, being mad, being pissed off about the situation, it's not going to change the fact that this had happened. Being a quadriplegic, being mad, being sad, being frustrated at that isn't going to change the fact that I'm a quadriplegic. And I now have a choice, like everybody does. And now these are some major, major circumstances but people lose themselves even in the small day-to-day circumstances getting cut off on the street somebody taking your parking spot just everything and anything and i know that being in a bad state first like i said isn't going to change anything but it will also put you in a spot where you aren't doing anything and and why would you want to be in that spot? Because that's just going to to um, just make matters worse. It's kind of hard to explain, but I hope that grasps that question a little bit. For sure, uh, you're talking about having big circumstances, and and I mean this. I talk about you all the time. It's something I talk about all the time. Um, I mention you in speeches all the time. I mention you in conversations all the time. And it's never in a, hey, well, you know, you really don't have it so bad. I, I have this friend, Alex, so you should, you know, kind of step it up. Like, that. that's not what it is. But it's always just in this, like, amazement kind of a thing. 
it's in this mm. amazement of, it's so incredible that you're able to have the positivity that you have. And even when I got to see you last time, when we were in Anaheim, we spent a couple of days together in a conference room. Then we went to Disneyland together. But, you know, a, a story that I'll always remember is the fact that I, you know, for, for all of you, we're having a conversation here, but you're listening. By the way, I like to have these conversations like we are having a conversation and all the listeners and viewers happen to be a fly on the wall in the conversation. That's mm. kind of the way that I look at it as opposed to a traditional interview. Um, but what, what had happened is while we were at Disneyland, this is a mastermind group that I run. Um, there's probably, I think there's 10 of us there that day, maybe nine, something like that, nine or 10. Mm. And I got these, these buttons. In fact, I might have one. I must've moved it. But we had the, oh, here it is. Hold on. I'll be right back. Here we go. So we got these buttons that say, I'm celebrating on them. Say, I'm celebrating. And I actually wrote something on the back. You won't mm. be able to see it. But what that says there is why I still have this pin. It says, be grateful for the pin prick. Is uh, what it says right here. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> because with these buttons, so I, I went in to uh, one of the shops and got one of these buttons for everyone and thought, Oh, this is cool. If you, those of you don't know, um, well, everything at Disneyland is extremely overpriced. I love it anyway, but you can get one souvenir for free. You can go and get these buttons might say I'm celebrating. It might say it's my birthday. Uh, you can get them if it's your, you can get just married or anniversaries, whatever that is. And you can get these pens. Uh, pretty much every store has them. But uh, I went in and got these pins and I started handing them out to everyone. And then I handed one to Stephanie, someone else in our group. And I said, hey, can you, knowing that Alex couldn't put it on himself, I said, hey, Stephanie, can you put this on Alex? Because I'm pretty clumsy with stuff like this and I don't want to accidentally poke him. And Alex starts laughing and says, well, it wouldn't matter it's not like I would feel it anyway. And I don't know if you noticed, but you were laughing the hardest and everyone else is like, oh, huh? oh, like, and then kind of, kind of had that feeling. But what it, what it, what hit me about that was literally the next day I have, I have some other pins on my backpack. I was moving them around and I got poked with one and I drew a little bit of blood as I did that. And as normally I'd be like, ah, oh, dang it, that stinks. I just got poked and it's going to bother me the rest of the day or whatever. And I literally thought, how grateful am I to be in a situation where I can feel the prick of that pin? And mm -hmm. so even in those situations, you're inspiring people. And that's why I've kept this button, you know, kept this, uh, this I'm celebrating button with the, the pin on the back. I guess I called this a pin. This is a button. Um, but they, they have the pin prick at the back and I'm keeping this and wrote that on the back. Be grateful for the pin prick because mm -hmm. this is something that um, is just extremely inspiring. Mm -hmm. Even myself, Jake, I can't tell you how many times I am in great gratitude, even just for the ability to see or hear. Mm. There's many times where like, I'm on the street and I'm like, wow, this is really a truly beautiful landscape. And I do a 
gratitude list daily when I remember for the most part, at least four out of seven days, I remember, but where I am just grateful for what I have, because that everybody takes things for granted. We really do. And it's not until you lose something or you know somebody that lost something where you reflect or when most people reflect. Right. And when I when I find myself in in that state of gratitude, it also makes me on the receiving end for more to come. Right. Right. That's absolutely right. Um, do you remember, I'm curious if it's going to be the same thing, but I once asked you what you missed the most from before, from before your accident. Do you remember what you said, or is it the same thing? Do you, do you remember this at all? I don't remember this, but. Okay. So what would you say if I said, if I asked that question, what do you miss most about from before the accident? I would say sensation. I, I really miss sensation more than anything, more than the ability. Like if, if anything came back, even if it was walking versus sensation, I would choose sensation hands down. And what do you mean by that sensation? What, what does that be mean? Be able to feel my legs, be able to, because so many problems would be solved with mm-hmm. being able to feel. I could, right. you know, use the bathroom, um, um, Boy, there's just a tremendous not getting pressure sores because you can feel the chair beneath you. Um, yeah. So it, you said something very close, except you gave a specific example. And what you said was, you said, what I miss the most is feeling. And you said specifically, I miss the feeling of warm water going through my hands as I was washing dishes. Okay. Sure. And which, which I thought was so cool because mm. now every time I wash dishes where before I was like, I just got to rush through this mm. chore, get this chore mm. done. I don't want, I mean, not, not like mm. I was angry about it, but I'm just like, I don't, this is it. I just saw it as a chore that needs to mm. be done, but then I need to move on. I want to get it done as quickly as possible so I can move on. But literally every time since then that I have washed the dishes, I think how grateful I am to be able to feel that water. And Mm. it's just those simple things. And I think that those little things that you say is why you're so inspiring. And that that's why I wanted to bring it up is because you just ooze inspiration, even when you don't mean to, because you weren't, you weren't trying to be prolific. You weren't trying to say the perfect thing. You just Mm. said something. And I went, wow, that's, Mm. that's huge. That's, that's a big thing. Mm. Um, And I I want to ask, Oh, sorry, go. Well, just to piggyback off that a little bit, when I do a speaking engagement, that's the thing I like to end with. Talking about those dishes. I have a picture of me. Not too happy picture doing those dishes. Mainly for the fact of, I, I can't remember exactly, but I know that we would trade different chores and that was one of the least favorites of mine. But I can't tell you, like you were talking about, what I would do just to do that again. And what I really like about this story is everybody 
not everybody, but when you want something, you kind of fixate on that quite a bit. And then when you get it, you're like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And you have a lot of stress and anxiety over that. And it's like, wait a second. You don't realize what you have right now, some people would give their life for, for some simple things like that. What advice do you have for someone to be able to feel grateful for, to, to be able to have more gratitude and more happiness and more joy in their life, no matter what they're going through? There's people who are watching this and listening to this, who have had, you know, businesses fall apart, people who have had, um, who've lost their jobs, people who have lost their houses, uh, people who are in the middle of divorce, people who've had physical injuries, people who have lost a child, all those kinds of things. And what is your advice for staying positive? I, I like to not put judgment on this person's mm-hmm. thing is harder than that. They're going through their battle right now. Mm-hmm. You're someone who's gone through that for pretty much your whole life and have managed mm-hmm. to stay positive and experience joy. And uh, what is your advice for someone to be able to stay positive and experience joy no matter what's going on around them? You know, Jake, even listening to that, it kind of chokes me up a little bit because there's some individuals going through some very terrible things. And I always, I always feel for that individual But a lot of, and I don't want to use but because that's saying and now. So I really feel for you guys. I don't compare what you're going through with what I'm going through. There's some people that go through what some would consider less traumatic events, but they're impacted more than I am. And I realize that. When you are in that moment, it is hard to see past it. I have a biological mom that's still alive, and she likes to bring up those scenarios. She likes to complain. She likes to be stuck in the past. I like using the analogy of we're all in this car. A good portion of people like to look through the windshield and some people, the only focus they have is on that rear view mirror. And when you're in that grind or it's years later and you're still having a hard time with that situation, the best advice that I could give is regardless if you are pessimistic or optimistic, you will be right eventually. There are going to be good things that will show up in your life. Maybe it's something minor, like somebody uh, giving you part of their lunch, or it could be on a massive scale of, I don't know, winning the lottery. But eventually, there's going to be good things that show up. And my brother, my older brother, my biological mom, they're more of the pessimistic people. They were like, Alex. How can you be so positive when this, this, that, and another thing? And guess what? They're right, too. Eventually, my brother is right. Sometimes, Shem, you're right, too. You know what? Bad things do happen. But guess what? Eventually, there's going to be good things, too. And you now have the option of what you want to focus on. Are you going to focus on the good things that are going to happen? 
or the bad things that are and already have. So are are you telling me that the person with four functional limbs is trying to convince the quadriplegic why they should be negative? Is that kind of what you're saying? Why a few months ago, and this I have a I have a policy. It's called a no toxicity policy, where I don't care who you are, family member, friend. I refuse to engage with you if you are being toxic. Just a few months ago, my brother said, Alex, how can you be so positive when you know we had all these traumatic things happen in our life? And I'm thinking, I know you're in a bad place right now. I feel you. I really do. But being positive or negative isn't going to change the fact. And why become victim to your situation? I'm trying to tell you that when you realize that you are responsible for where you are, that's that's a good thing because you're like, okay, I'm in this crap hole right now because of what I have done or not done. But now I get to choose to do something else and be in a better situation because of it. Right. I really like your concept of whether you choose to be positive or negative, it doesn't change the situation. Like it doesn't change the facts of what's happened. Right. It can change the future because whether we're positive or negative, we can certainly influence the future, but nothing about something that's happened. Cause a lot of times people are like, well, why be positive? It's, it's not going to change anything. Well, okay. With that same logic, why be negative? It's not going to change anything. You know, you can make the exactly. same statement both ways. <laughs> it's not going to change it. So why, why do that? And I love this conversation because sometimes I get a sense of, I'll say something from stage about choosing to focus on the good, no matter what. And this is truthfully, the reason why I bring your example up is because I I feel that sometimes when I'm standing in front of people, I can get a sense of, yeah, but you don't know what I went through. And I'm not saying that my life has been full of challenge because it really Mm. hasn't in the grand scheme of things. Yes, I've had my challenges. Yes, I've had heartaches and sorrows and those kind of things like anyone has. But Truthfully, my life has been uh, very, very, I have been very fortunate and I've been very blessed. Um, however, I know that I get, I, I, I get that, that response and I, and I don't think that it's wrong for them to look at me and say, well, you can be that way, but you don't know what I've gone through. And I mm-hmm. like to bring up your example because um, there, yeah, there might be, there's people on par. There's people at the same level, but I, they're not going through something that's harder than you. They're not going through something that's harder than what you've gone through. Um, mm-hmm. And there could be, look, someone's going to email me and say, well, I went through, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that, that, that in the grand scheme of things, you're, there's very few people who can say, well, yeah, Alex, you can be positive, but what about what I went through? And that's mm-hmm. why I love your example is because 
it's it's an extreme example and yet you are so incredibly positive and grateful mm. and that's what i find so inspiring mm. there is this one he was a comedian i believe that i had heard this story from he went to russia and there was this elderly man that was gonna go on this bus all of these people are going to go on this bus and this elderly man skipped the line and he said this one phrase in russia russian excuse me um that pretty much went on the lines of i've suffered worse than you have so i get to go on first mm. and i really feel like we have such a societal view of of being a victim that it's our default right and everybody on for well not everybody but a lot of people are living in that default and you got to get to a point where you need to look at yourself and you need to ask your question if i don't change and i'm this way one year from now five years from now is it going to be worth it? Is it worth holding on to this victimized view? And my question to ask you is five years ago, what kind of position were you in? And if you are still in that same position, try something new. What you're doing isn't working. So try something new. If it's an idea from me, if it's an idea from Jake, if it's an idea from somebody else, just try something different. If you want a dramatically different life, then you got to do different things. Yes. Yes. I, I love that perspective. Um, you know, when you mentioned that guy on the bus, I think that's really interesting. And what that points out is that I think a lot of the times, whether we realize it or not, um, we're, we're addicted to our pain. Mm. And I, I want to make a quick disclaimer. I'm not talking about uh, people who are dealing with clinical depression. I mm. have many people that I care deeply about that have clinical mental health issues, and I've learned so much about it. So I am not talking about that. What I am talking about is the day-to-day -day people who do not have those kind of issues we, myself included, are addicted to problems because of the benefit they give us. So that man felt entitled because of his problems. I've suffered more. I can go on first. How often do we find ourselves saying, I don't know how to connect with someone right now. And then we easily connect over a problem. Mm. You know, just, just think about this. When you meet people on the street, just kind of randomly when you meet people right. more often than not, it's very quick that they complain about something mm. because it's shared pain as simple as that might sound. And as simple as something like traffic or a crowd shared pain is the quickest way to connect with people. We connect mm. very quickly over that. And I would actually argue that more of the quote unquote negativity that we hear in public when we're meeting strangers I would actually argue that more of it has to do with social awkwardness than it does have to do with actually people's mindset because people, 
They want to connect with you. And we have been trained throughout our entire lives that the quickest way to connect with someone is say, oh man, it's crowded, isn't it? Or are you going to gas station? You get, hey, how are you doing? Yes, I'm that guy. No one should be surprised, but I'm that guy. Hey, everyone, I'm doing great. How are you? How are you? Fantastic. That that's that one, that was so funny to me. That's my default response. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Sometimes, sometimes people literally ask, why? <laughs> like, 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 like there's something wrong with me. How are you doing? Fantastic. Ugh, why? What's wrong with this guy? And yeah. if, if, if I said, if they said, how are you doing? And I went, you know, still alive, I guess they'd be like, yeah, I understand. You know, it'd be like totally normal. You know, that's, that's a normal way of, of thinking and living yeah. and acting, but Hey, I'm doing fantastic. But you know, you go into a gas station and immediately, what do people talk about? They complain about the gas prices. Then people will complain about this, complain about that. And I believe that we have been trained throughout our lives that mm. if we're sad, we get comfort. Mm. Um, if we complain about something someone else also is complaining about, we immediately connect. Mm. That person, he got some kind of special treatment. Uh, the, the, the point is, is that when you find yourself now, I'm not talking about a request. This is something that uh, Jack Canfield talks about the difference, the distinction between, is this a complaint or is this a request? Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with making a request. So here's the difference. Okay. So I have an air conditioned, uh, I have a, what do you call that? Thermostat right over there. Now, if you were in this room with me, and you don't want to be rude because it's my room, it's my office, you don't want to go over there and do it yourself. You have two different things that you could do. You could say, well, geez, Jake, it sure is cold in here. That's a complaint. A request is, I'm, I'm kind of cold. Would it be okay to turn down that air conditioning? Now, that's a request. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. I also don't think that there's anything wrong. There is a place for, uh, I think there is a place to vent. I think there is a place to uh, talk through the challenges and the problems that you're going through. I think that there's importance of that and there's serious um, mental health benefits for doing that. Mm. But I, I think that sometimes that pendulum is swung too far the, on that side where it used to be, let's just keep all our problems bottled in, bottled in, bottled in. But I think in a, in an attempt to normalize mental health, which we absolutely should. And I'm a hundred percent behind that, but in an attempt to normalize those kind of things, I think that we've got into this state where many of us, and I'm only saying this because I've had stages where I've been in this, where many of us find ourselves almost like we're always in a therapy session. Mm. We're always in a therapy session and we're talking about what's going wrong, what problems we're having, what challenges we're having. And this, you know, this is coming from someone who uh, openly discusses uh, going to therapy myself and encourages people to do so. I think it's one of the most valuable things that you can do. But man, if you can just be a little bit more positive in your life, if you can just look for the good, you know, that's why I have this thing here. That's why recently I had this bracelet made, I had this leather bracelet made. You can't see it here with the camera, but it says focus on the good. And so it's mm -hmm. on me all the time, just so I can look at it and say, you know what? 
sometimes the good isn't that everything's going great. Sometimes the good is I have the power to fix it. Mm. Sometimes the good is, you know what? Yeah, I got all these problems, but look at all the good that I have. And I'm not talking about it in a shutting you down from being able to say whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. But man, it makes such a difference in our lives. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Alex? I found that a lot of people that are stuck in that complaining state, a good portion of the time, it's an ego problem. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it's all about me, 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 me. This happened to me, this um, circumstance, this event. And if you look at most people that have a spiritual awakening, it's by letting that ego go and not focusing on yourself, um, but being in, in, okay, let me back up a little bit. Let's even talk about thoughts for a moment. So you get this thought, maybe five minutes ago, you were just fine. But now you just got this thought of, wow, that person has, you know, this thing that's better than what I have, or this person's in a better circumstance than I am. And because of these different, these different inner dialogues, we, we, we start going down that rabbit hole. And you can have those thoughts and instead of associating with them, you can just observe them instead. And when, yes. you, when you get to a state where you're observing, now, like Jake was talking about, you are going to be so easily put in that complaining state because, oh, okay, I just had this thought of, this limiting thing, but I'm going to choose not to engage with it. I can just have a thought and let that thought go and then allow a new thought, a better thought to resurface. And when you do that originally and initially, this is going to be difficult because you are so used to playing that system. You were, we're like, like a computer and from society from our parents we are conditioned and that's the word conditioned to think a certain way conditioned to be a certain way and you got to choose to break that pattern you know what uh-uh i don't want to think like this anymore and that that new habit will eventually put you in a different place. Success and failure. My definition of failure is a few errors in judgment repeated over time. Let's say you have a weight issue. Your few errors in judgment, and you know that you should walk more. You know that you should eat less of this junk food, but that few errors in judgment that you repeat, it puts you in this heavy state. And the success is a few practices and disciplines repeated over and over. Okay, I know I'm not supposed to eat that food. I'm not going to eat that food. And time and time again, eventually it's going to bring you into that better state. 
yes. same thing with the complaining. I love that. Um, before we get accused of complaining about people who complain, um, I, have, <laughs> I, I'd like to get some, some practical advice, um, some practical advice and let, let's, let's focus on someone who, let's just say they had a change of heart from hearing your story. Mm. They heard your story and they said, you know what? I, I, I need to turn some things around. So let's say mm -hmm. someone's listening right now and they go, you know what? I really have been pretty negative and and i've complained i've i've done the opposite i've been focusing on the problems in my life mm -hmm. what what's your advice to help someone turn that around they're willing but it's going to mm -hmm. be a habit that they need to change how can they start changing that habit mm. i first if they are to the point where they see themselves having that problem uh, that's already the first step yes because a lot of people it, they don't believe that it's them. They don't believe that they are the problem. So right. if you are already to the point where you're starting to see that, oh, oh, a beautiful life is coming your way, my friend. And I would not focus on that. How of, okay, how, how what am I going to do to, to achieve this state? but more be disciplined towards that new desired outcome. It's like, okay, if, if happiness is what you are looking for or complaining less, I would also surround yourself by people that are like that. One of the best things this, this world it um, has to offer now that we have these computers and things is no matter what kind of life you want, there's somebody that's achieved it. If you are to the point where it's like, okay, I don't want to do this complaining. I see that I get in this um, negative habit. Guess what? There's somebody that has written a book that you can listen to and you can have anything in this world because you can become anything in this world. Like if you want this state of happiness, I would ask you to create a goal. There's this one of being happy, of having less complaining. There's this one guy, Jim Rohn. He, he says, set a goal to be a millionaire, not to have a million dollars, but to become the person that it requires to be in that situation. My name is Alex P. Plasky because Alex Plasky died a long time ago. I am not Alex Plasky. Alex Plasky has a set of habits that I am shameful of. Alex P. Plasky, he is a person that has a set of disciplines, a set of characteristics, a set of attributes that Alex Blasky never had and will never have. So who is your Alex P. Blasky? Who is that person that you want to become? And then ask yourself, what disciplines does that person have? What habits does that person incorporate in their day? And once you start 
slowly incorporating that, you're going to see a dramatic shift. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's fantastic. Well, Alex, I could uh, talk on this topic all day. I always learn so much from you and I'm so grateful for your presence and your knowledge and your experiences. Um, before we close, what's the best way for someone to find out more about you and what you do? The best way is by going to my website, Alex P. Plasky, P-L-A-S-K-Y.com. That has a detailed video of what I am doing along with an outreach option. Fantastic. I love it. Uh, Last question for you. What's one thing that you think somebody listening today can do to make the world around them a better place? To make the world a better place. I just mean the world around them. What's one thing that they can do to make the world around them a better place? Being that we've already discussed the gratitude with the dishwashing, I just... I want you to know that what you have right now is enough. You are enough. And no matter what you're striving towards, just know that with these things that we talked about, with incorporating these different disciplines, it's going to make you a better person, which will make your environment a better situation. And in doing that, just by making yourself better, you will make your environment better and the people around you as well. Yes. I love that. Well, Alex P. Plasky, this has been awesome. I love every conversation I have with you. Uh, We end every episode here with a virtual fist bump. So with a virtual fist bump, it's going to be a knuckles bump, but no, you, you, you find a way with everything. That is awesome. I love it. That was so cool. You used your mouth to do that was awesome. That just shows that you are a find a way kind of a guy. So I love that. So we're going to end right here. Everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Alex, put it up right here. Virtual fist bump. Ready? Boom. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something great out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you're going to implement something that you learned in this episode because nothing happens until you take action. If you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur who's looking to up-level your network with a group of people who also have a rising tide lifts all boats attitude, then come and join our exclusive network of successful entrepreneurs by going to mtmsuccess.com slash rising tide.